helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Asked why he did things a certain way, my grandfather used to say, where were you when the page was blank? Starting from scratch, whether you're writing a book or creating a policy, well, it's hard. So when a storyline or a policy doesn't work at first, I'm generally willing to give someone the benefit of the doubt. However, when those failures do not lead to a change, well, that's a level of stupid I can't abide. As Friedrich Bonhoeffer said in Theory of Stupidity, Reasons fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradict one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. In such moments, the stupid person even becomes critical. And when facts are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential and incidental. To me, this explains much of how government policies are treated today. Their failure is always blamed on some other cause. Insufficient funding, or we need to expand the policy for it to work, or we just haven't given it enough time. Occasionally, the failure is so bad, so complete, that the consequences are so horrendous that even the stupid person must yield. That doesn't mean they change their mind, only capitulate to the obvious long enough to allow them to reinstitute their flawed policies again. In other words, the quintessential characteristic of stupidity is the inability to learn from one's mistakes. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. And I am so glad you could join me today. We're going to dive into this idea of, of government policies failing, the stupidity behind some of these policies. And I don't mean stupid as in I disagree with the policies. I mean stupidity where we see a policy, we see it fail to work, but yet we keep doing the same thing over and over again. That, ladies and gentlemen, is, is stupidity. At least that's the way Bonhoeffer described it, and it's the way I tend to use that particular um, adjective. Or I guess that would technically be a pejorative. I, I don't know. You can tell I did real good in English in school. Now, if there's one governmental policy that has been proven over the decades to be an absolute failure, well, it's our immigration policy. And what's interesting is I'm not talking about immigration laws. Right? The, the laws that Congress passes about who and under what conditions someone can migrate to the United States and the process they are to follow. That's a whole nother statement. That's a whole nother kettle of fish. No, I mean the policies about how do we deal with the people who are trying to break the law to enter this country illegally. And this, by the way, I believe goes everywhere. It goes down to the, the euphemisms we use, uh, to the, the actual policies that are put in place. Now, for example, we had, I remember, I'm old enough to remember Reagan, and Reagan said, okay, we will give this current group amnesty, we will forgive people who entered here illegally, and we'll change them, but that's it, we're going to enforce the laws now. <laughs> that didn't work. And we've had different administrations with different ideas, and if you want to see two administrations that are diametrically opposed in their approach to this influx of illegal aliens, well, it has to be the Trump and the Biden administrations. The Trump was all about building a wall. That was his big thing. He was going to build a wall. He was going to get Mexico to pay for it. It was all about we build a physical barrier in order to 
prevent illegal pe people entering this country illegally. Uh, if you build a wall, it makes it harder for them to cross. They're going to be driven more towards the actual point, uh, legal points of access where we can find people who are coming here legally. Uh, we can find people who are looking for asylum and doing so legally. And we can find those who are not following the law, advise them on the law, and point them where they need to go for their next step. That was the 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 kind of a an oversimplification of the the Trump uh, policy. The Trump policy was we build a wall so that the laws can be enforced. The Biden policy, what border? Is the Biden policy has simply been to claim that the border is closed when it is most obviously open? I mean, this the, the the litany of Biden administration officials claiming that the border is closed, the border is secure, the border is not open, while watching millions of people illegally entering entering the country, sometimes it means in a day. Um, it's as ridiculous as the the CNN. Uh, a reporter standing in front of a burning building reporting on the mostly peaceful protests. It just, you know, what are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? In fact, Biden even encapsulated his, his policy regarding the border in his refusal to build one foot of wall. This was a campaign promise that he would not build one foot of a wall and, uh, you know, somehow things would get better. And they haven't. And, and, Cities and states around the nation are feeling the, the pain of the policy of the Biden administration to not enforce federal law. Let's get right down to brass tacks. The Biden administration has decided they are not going to enforce federal law. All those other policies come down to this with that one main point, whether it's being we're not going to, to control the border. We're going to fight anybody like the state of Texas. Uh, when they try to actually put up obstacles for people cr illegally crossing the border into their states, um, this idea of of catch and release, right? If you get caught, uh, we'll hand you a piece of paper that says you're supposed to, and we'll let you go. They'll even transport the, uh, uh, these aliens around the country, which of course led governors and and mayors to start shipping aliens from their state to other states, and uh, you know all of this chaos stems from a very simple fact that a refusal to enforce the law. And I'm saying it that if you enforce the law, illegal uh, illegal alien tr of crossing the border would stop. It won't. It's not a question. It's not a black and white. It's not a binary decision. It's a what we'd call an analog decision, right? More or less. And are we you know, getting better or worse? Well, at this point uh, last week, it, it's kind of come to a head. And in a very humorous, in several very, you know, to me, humorous ways. So the the Biden administration has decided there was there that they're going to actually um, expedite construction of the border wall in Star County, Texas. Now you have to put this before the backdrop. You have again cities across the country saying we cannot handle any more uh, illegal migrants, illegal aliens. We can't. Um, you have the state of New York declaring an emergency. You have the city of New York declaring an emergency. You have uh, uh, cities in California overrun. Uh, you know the the I love the the uh, was it uh, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, you know, calling on the federal government to give them money to pay for the mess that the 
policies of the federal government made. Uh, you have the mayor of New York actually saying, after declaring New York City a sanctuary city, going, please stop coming. We can't handle this. Um, <laughs> I was He said he got 10,000 migrants in a year. Uh, there, are state, there are cities in, Cal in, in Texas and New Mexico that get 10,000 a day. He's spending all this money. They don't have room to house him. He's he's actually dealing with the consequence of his of the idea of being a sanctuary city. And now Mayor Adams is in Latin America trying to convince them to stop sending telling you know, to tell these illegal uh, aliens to stop coming to New York City. There's no room for you anymore. And by the way, if any of you are wondering why I keep using the term illegal alien rather than migrant, it's because many of these aren't necessarily migrants. Um, if they were migrants, if they were migrating here, their intention would be to live here. And uh, many of them don't. Many of them just here for a job and to send money home. So the proper term, I believe, for them is is alien. So in the backdrop of, of this, again, many blue states, because remember, Biden's a Democrat, member of the Democratic Party. So states run by Democratic uh, uh, office holders them screaming and, and and crying for help now all of a sudden they've decided okay we're going there's an immediate need to build a section of the wall in fact um dhs secretary alejandro mayorkas waived dozens does 26 separate federal regulations in order to fast track the construction of this barrier i want you to think about that for a second so the, the, the administration that swore they would not build one foot of wall, that, that uh, you know, they now, not only are they taking money to actually build the wall, they're actually waiving federal regulations, which tells you a lot about the federal regulations, doesn't it? These regulations are not laws, and they are, uh, they're, 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 they're government edicts. This is nothing more than the government saying, here's a regulation, but you know what? We're going to wait. It's up to us. These are arbitrary, frequently capricious regulations. And now when it's inconvenient for the current administration, they're simply going to waive them as if they have no meaning because the meaning they have is, well, it's more political than anything else. And uh, again, here's an example uh, of, of politics in action. Of course, now, why suddenly is this border wall being built? Well, let's listen to uh, Mr. Biden himself. This was, uh, I guess he was having a meeting and there was a press, the press was around and they were asking him questions when Mr. Biden said this. I want to ask you one question on the border wall. The border wall, the money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money. They didn't, they wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what was appropriate. I can't stop that. Okay, so Biden admits this is not his idea, right? He's saying, I don't want this. The money was appropriate for the border wall. It has to be used for building the border wall. I tried to get, by they, I think he means Congress, to reappropriate the money somewhere else. They wouldn't, so I have to deal, I have to build the border wall, which led to an interesting follow-up question. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Now, if that's the case, why is his administration, why is his Secretary of Department of Homeland Security actually waiving two dozen, more than two dozen federal regulations to spend money that uh, Mr. Biden doesn't think will work? I don't know. 
But you know what I keep coming back to? That, uh, you know, facts that contradict one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. And here's a stubborn fact. Uh, During the Trump administration, we had illegal immigration. Yes. Since the Biden administration, illegal immigration has illegal aliens, illegal crossings have skyrocketed. I don't mean they've gone up a little bit. I mean they have gone up a tremendous amount. So I went searching and I found Statista, the statistics site, and a couple of numbers that I found interesting. In the year 2000, 1.6 million, um, there, there were 1.6 million apprehensions and expulsions uh, registered by Border Patrol in the fiscal year 2000. Now, that went down a bit. It went up a little bit. All right. When we get to, say, um, well, let's look at the Trump administration. All right. So 2016, which is the year before Trump comes into office, right? Because you remember, he doesn't actually come into office until January 2017. There were 415,000 um, apprehensions and expulsions at the border. Uh, it went down in 17 to 310,000, went up to 400,000. In 2019, it spiked at 900,000, 859,000. And then in 2020, the last year of the Trump presidency, the um, uh, apprehension rate was two was 400,000. So we were in that roughly four to 500,000 for the most part with one uh, outlier, one spike. In 2021, the first year of the Biden administration, we were back at 1.6 million, a number we had not seen since the year 2000. And, you know, right? and in, in 22, we are over 2.2 million. These are the these are the ones that are apprehended. We don't know about the gotaways. Those are those are those are estimates. So what we see is that a policy of oh I don't know um, discouraging uh, migration of enforcing U.S. law tends to drive down the number of people apprehended and expelled by border patrol. A Will, an expressed willingness to simply ignore federal law leads to an explosion of um, apprehensions and expulsions. But uh, he doesn't believe the wall works. Now, I don't know. Uh, does, is this proof that the wall works? No, because Trump built part of a wall and you know, his numbers were roughly the same. There, there's you know, 100,000 plus or minus maybe, but you know he went from uh, was it 337, 415, 310, 404? Uh, you can't say that the wall works. What I will tell you is that there is irrefutable facts that Biden's current policy does not work. But see, that just kind of gets pushed aside as is consequential and incidental, exactly the way Bonhoeffer described the acts of stupidity. Of course, it also reminds me of uh, Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Now, the question obviously comes, is the explosion in illegal entry into this country a problem for this policy? Is, this, is it the intent of this policy? Is it the intent of the administration? Is it a beneficial side effect? I don't know. But what we see here is a government policy that uh, I would say many, many people would say simply is not working. But what we don't see is an attempt to, okay, this didn't work. Let's try something else. Um, it appears that Biden 
is being forced to spend money on building a wall, not because he wants to, not because he thinks it'll work, but because the money must be spent. And um, it'd be actually quite interesting. What would happen if he didn't waive these regulations and the money was simply not spent? Could it simply be that, you know, well, we've got money, we got to spend it somewhere. That's a very common uh, government point of view. I've dealt with them for many, many years. Now, listen, I've taken a break. Uh, I hope you'll head to the website, constitutionstudy.com, find out more about what we're doing here. Maybe uh, get access, maybe sign up for a mailing list. Hey, ask a question. I'm still looking for questions to answer here on the radio program. Maybe you'll just sign up for a mailing list and, and get some of my newsletters and, and insider updates or or look at the Patriots program. Give that a try. See if that's something you might be interested in. Take the boot camp. The boot camp is free. And if you pass the boot camp, you'll get your invitation to join the Patriots program. Now, another thing we need to deal with, because you know, facts are stubborn things. And you know what? Co the spike protein is still here. Shedding is real. Long COVID is real. But what can we do to protect ourselves? Whether you're vaccinated or not, this is still something you need to be considering. That is, the, you know, the spike protein, it's toxic. It's, it's harmful to the body. What can you do? Well, the wellness centers come up with what they call daily spike support. It can be taken to help protect against the effects of both the vaccine, shedding, and COVID itself. It, it's non-GMO, gluten-free, vegetarian, and manufactured right here in the U.S. It's backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. Now, since you're an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off products and in your first month of membership with the code OUTLOUD. So please you, uh, go to the wellness company. Check it out. Maybe try some of their products. You've got the spike support and others. Maybe sign up for a membership, but be sure when you check out to use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you'll get 25% off products and 25% off your first month of membership. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. 
these physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're looking at uh, what happens when government policies fail and the stupidity of following them even after they've shown to be an abject failure. We, we talked about border policies in the first segment. I want to switch gears to the, this, this uh, you know, global net zero climate change farce. You know, this is not just the U.S. that's dealing with problems. We, 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 there's a serious concern about the supply of oil for a couple of reasons. Remember, I, we talked before about how the, uh, the strategic oil reserve, the strategic petroleum reserve, the, the reserve of, of, of oil that the United States kept in case of emergency, right? If, that if there were a war or other conflict, that we would have enough oil reserves to keep our military going in fighting a battle. That was its original purpose, was to make sure that, you know, should fighting break out and our access to foreign oil be, um, be severed, we would still have enough oil reserves to keep the uh, military running and uh, some of our economy running while we brought more domestic drilling and processing online. And we talked about how that's, at historic lows, and even when the you know it's been used for decades as a political tool, right? When uh, there's uh, price spikes, presidents like to draw off the reserve. It has a minimal impact on the um, price of gasoline generally in the short term, but um, most presidents, when the price of oil dropped, would then purchase more oil to restock the reserve. Well not President Biden. He didn't do that. That's only one of, of a number of policies. Remember, th this whole push, uh, pushing towards electric vehicles, pushing to get rid of um, gas stoves, gas heaters, um, all this petroleum, this push towards this insane net 30, uh, net zero by 2030. This, this thing is nuts, right? Because one, it ignores that uh, petroleum is more than used for more than just energy. A lot of products are dependent on petroleum, including things that we use to keep us alive. You know, the plastics that they use to keep uh, uh, medical supplies sterile, yet made out of petroleum and, and plenty of others. Um, so we've, we've been watching the Biden administration, again, uh, rescinding leases, denying leases, doing pretty much... Uh, everything I th they think they can get away with, apparently, to shrink our ability to produce petroleum in the United States, which, if you think about it, 
if you're really concerned about the the climate, the last thing you want to do is stop U.S. oil production. Paul, that seems counterintuitive. Now think about it. Energy is going to be consumed. You know, energy oil is in many ways fungible. If you don't buy it from the U.S., you're going to buy it from somebody else. Now, do you want to buy it from people who are working hard to have a minimal environmental impact? Or do you want to buy it from people who really don't care and they're more willing to pollute in order to generate that oil? So you have a, a push to make us dependent on others, to uh, not have the cleaner produced and cleaner, in many cases, in the case of uh, natural gas, cleaner burning uh, fossil fuels that we need, that our economy needs in order to survive. Um, and that has led to some pretty dire situations like the increased price of oil, uh, which leads to the increased price of pretty much everything, because even if it's not made out of oil, most likely um, oil was used in its manufacture and definitely in its transportation. Think about it. Farmers, the food you eat, you go to the grocery store and you pick up a head of lettuce or a bag of carrots or, or maybe a steak. You know, those farmers that, that grew that, that produce, that raised that cattle, that became that steak, they used fossil fuels. They used it to run their tractors and other machinery. The, the products, once they were done, they were, as they were being processed, that used energy that, again, most likely came from a coal or natural gas. And then once it was ready, it was stuck in a tractor trailer, which runs on diesel fuel. And maybe into a rail car, which runs on diesel fuel, to transport it to the city so that the truck could, that runs on diesel fuel could take it to the grocery store that keeps it cool and fresh using electricity, again, most likely generated by coal or natural gas. You see how we're dependent on this? So uh, this has driven the price of oil up, which means it helped. It's one of the components to inflation. The fact that everything is becoming more expensive is in part because the cost of manufacture has gone up, the cost of transportation has gone up in large, in, in some cases, because of the um, uh, of these anti-carbon policies. The idea that carbon dioxide, which by the way is plant food, uh, is is a, an evil pollutant. And again, in the face of this, the policies of the Biden administration are, are, is not to, hey, how can we can we protect ourselves from these uh, price fluctuations? How can we protect our people, uh, our citizens from these? How can we make stuff cheaper and easier to get? No, it's to bow to the uh, to the climate gods and say, no, we're going to uh, put we're going to continue to restrict. Uh, oil production, and uh, again, our drilling activity in the U.S. continues to slow, according to reports. And oh, by the way, our good friends in OPEC, yeah, they're still cutting production. Again, driving the prices up, which means it doesn't just hit you in the gas at the gas pump. It it hits you when you heat your home, or when you cool your home, or when you buy just about everything. And even though we've watched as these policies have helped cripple the market, we had this huge spike in 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 gas prices that everyone said, "Oh no, it's it's the Russian invasion." Um, baloney. We don't get that much from Russia. It doesn't. It, Russia didn't increase the price that much. Yes, it had an increase, uh, an impact on the price, 
but not that much. Most of it comes from the fact that um, Western countries are doing everything they do, they can, appears, to get rid of fossil fuels. Now, if you look at the nations, the Western nations that have all gone, gone gung-ho in getting rid of fossil fuels, Germany has to be right up there near the front. See, for years, they've been doing everything they can to stop the, the production of fossil fuels and the use of fossil fuels within their borders. What's interesting is very often what they did was um, actually uh, just import it from somewhere else. In other words, we're not going to develop it in-house. We're going to import it from somewhere else. Anybody remember oh, a certain president warning Germany that um, the Nord Stream pipelines were a bad idea because it would make them dependent on Russia? And if Russia ever wanted to kick Germany in the teeth, all they'd had to do is cut off the oil. Which then again, it happened, right? Because remember, after the the, the, the Russia invaded um, uh, Ukraine, uh, they suddenly started having problems fulfilling all their gas in the in the pipeline. You remember how uh, people in in Germany were um, you know worried about f- freezing last winter because there wasn't enough oil to actually keep them warm in the winter, uh, and even though they've been doing everything they can to get rid of oil. Well, at least they, I don't know if they've learned their lesson, but they've capitulated to reality. You see, the German cabinet decided to reignite several coal-fired power plants this month and to do so through the end of the, of the year. Why? Well, so they'd have electricity so that their people didn't freeze. So I don't know if the politicians in Berlin finally woke up and said, you know what, maybe this net zero thing isn't working. We're not quite ready for it yet. Maybe there's there's still stuff we need to work on. Or they just realized that if they have another winter like last year, or if they have another winter like they did last year with, with not enough energy. Now, last year, I believe, was a fairly mild winter for, for Germany. It wasn't all that bad. But if they get a bad year, um, they're going to be in trouble. So uh, after getting rid of coal fire plants and phasing out uh, nuclear reactors and, and being dependent on oh, you know, solar and wind, which, you know, sun doesn't always shine, wind doesn't always blow, they finally said, we give, we're going we're gonna to reactivate these plants. Now, I, again, I don't know what their long-term plans are, right? Are, are they going to be like the Biden administration with, with the wall? Are they going to simply say, um, hey, uh, we're going to do it now because we have to, but we're still trying to get rid of all of these things because, well, they're just evil. That's, that's, that's all there is. Now, coming back domestically, we're seeing the Biden administration push for a lot of the same things that Germany has been pushing for. And do you think they'll look at what's been going on in Germany and say, you know what, those policies seem to have failed. Maybe we shouldn't do that here. Maybe we should back off some of these and, and uh, look at the the irrefutable facts uh, uh look at the the anything that, that contradicts our you know net zero uh agenda and simply ignore it brush it aside like it doesn't matter it's kind of what i've come to expect and by what not just from biden but from most politicians you know when it comes to politicians my expected response to any inconvenient fact is i reject your reality and substitute my own Another example of that has to be the FBI. Now, listen, the FBI has been getting taken in the teeth a lot lately for their, and deservedly so, for their 
illegal activity. They're unconstitutional and criminal uh, spying and abuse of the rights of the American people. Everything from the 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 uh, um, biased investigate the politicized investigations of uh, senior leadership in multiple administrations to the uh, targeting of pro-life Catholic and uh, anybody who basically disagrees with the progressive Marxist platform, um, even targeting people for being uh, um, uh, domestic violence extremists for simply, oh, I don't know, studying the Constitution. So now, in their latest uh, apparent abuse of power, uh, this same Federal Bureau of Intimidation has uh, decided they are going to investigate a uh, a group that uh, well, Supreme Court Justice, Associate Justice Amy Coney Bryant is a part of. She's been reported by The Guardian that the FBI is, going, is investigating people of praise based on alleged concerns of abuse by former members. Now, how does that suddenly a federal group? I have no idea. Is it believed that, um, well, this group might have influence on on Justice Barrett? True, but again, um, we were supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But with Justice Barrett's... uh, um, apparent uh, close association with, oh, I don't know, strong ties to the faith community? Questions arise. Is the FBI now going after another religious organization simply because, well, it's religious? Could it be that the, the FBI believes there's no God but D.C.? And, and anybody who worships anybody but D.C., who doesn't bow to the golden idol of D.C., um, must be, be investigated um, and maybe, you know, hey, thrown into a fiery furnace? I mean, it's certainly starting to look that way when they, the FBI goes after, again, people of praise and, and Roman Catholics and, and pro-life organizations. It certainly seems that the FBI is out. To, oh, by the way, there's another group that the FBI is out to get. Yeah, if you're a Trump supporter. The FBI now, you talk about a police state. The FBI is now investigating people who, are, um, who support a political candidate of that's an opponent to the current sitting president. That's right. If you're MAGA, if you support Trump, then the FBI is now investigating you. This, again, this is a police state. This is the FBI being used as a political hit job. These are political actors. And for all of you who say, well, you say, I'm not MAGA. Well, what makes you think that uh, should another candidate rise to prominence in the Republican Party, the FBI isn't going to go after them as well. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe a federal government that has um, has, has armed, and I mean tactically armed, uh, uh, broken, gotten into houses to simply arrest somebody for what's for a, a protesting in front of a um, non-violently protesting, peacefully protesting in front of a, a, a abortion clinic, they come armed, armed to the teeth. Or if you protested against a um, uh, apparent fraud and corruption in the presidential election, they come for you, and they come for you armed and in force. Now they're talking about monitoring, and again, hey, maybe you're you're a Roman Catholic, or maybe you like a Latin mass, maybe you support Donald Trump, or maybe you just believe in the idea that America should be great again, and you want and and you support the idea of of mega. 
simply for your political opinions, you are now being targeted by this government. And those policies aren't going to change. Do you know why? Because the people who are in, in creating these policies are paying absolutely no price for their bullying and intimidation. They didn't lose, they didn't even lose that much. They didn't even lose in the um in the midterm elections. If they're telling me that that they won't even face um uh censure at the at the ballot box, why in heaven's name do you think these policies would ever change? These policies will only actually fail when the American people stand up and say, oh no, 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 no. But you see, that takes a level of intestinal fortitude. People willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to liberty. Do we still have them here in America? Before I take my next break, I want to remind you to check out AmericaOutloud.news every day for the latest news and happenings. I want you to take the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, whatever you find that you find informative and, and engaging, and share it. It doesn't matter how far it is. It doesn't matter how big your network is. Just share it. Do something. It is the do of the share that helps secure the blessings of liberty. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about what happens when government policies fail. And actually, I want to spend some time at this point talking about how we can make bad uh, government policies fail. I was ended the, the last segment talking about um, you know, FBI and, and their intimidation. And uh, uh, they're not alone. It's not just the FBI. See, it's we the people that are also under attack. And we have to do something in response. See, the wonderful thing about, um, about what we do here at the Constitution is the education, the understanding we get, the legal information we get to stand up to 
tyrants. And uh, I'm keeping an eye on something. See, several members of Congress, uh, no surprise, these are all uh, Democrats, have sent a letter to Elon Musk. Uh, they, they, the letter says, we write as concerned members of Congress regarding recent reports that half of X's election integrity team was laid off in the past week. We are looking for clarity on the issue and strongly urge you to maintain robust measures to prevent further spread of election misinformation. Okay, first, my now granted, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm kind of curious what he's going to say. My first response to these congressmen are, go stuff it. It's none of your business. That's right. It's none of your business how X staffs its business. The interesting thing is the election, is this the same election integrity team that was used by the FBI and other members of the administration to mislead, misinform, and lie to the American people by censoring critical information? See, the letter says, as you know, election integrity teams are critical to the operations of any social media company. Why? Why election integrity? How about you just let people express what they say, and if, they're, if, the, if they don't have the evidence to prove it, then people can ignore them. No, because the tyrants want them shut down. And understand, what do they mean by election misinformation? They mean information that doesn't support our tyrannical view of whatever's going on. Remember, this is the same, I'm sure some of these, what do we have here? We have, uh, uh, this was some Adam Schiff, um, Henry Johnson. Andre Carson, Nakima Williams, Ruben Gallego, uh, Laurie Trahan, and Pramila J. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pramila, uh, Pramila Jayapal. I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to mispronounce your name. Right? These are the same people that said the 2020 election was the most secure, trustworthy election we've ever had in bald-faced lie. I know five states that violated the Constitution when they appointed their electors. There's evidence of fraud in Arizona, Illinois, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. But supposedly we're just supposed to take their word for it. And anybody who says otherwise is considered misinformation, and therefore they don't want it talk they don't want people talking about it. It's also they go on it later and say, This has not been our first concern about the hostile environment you created on X's platform since you took over. Hostile to what, sir? Oh, I know. Hostile to your Marxist takeover. I'm, I'm, I'm sugarcoating it, ladies and gentlemen. He said, uh, they, they went back, they said, uh, uh, the layoffs made in recent days at X's election integrity team leave us with grave concerns about the impact, a uh, likely impact on our constituents and our democracy. What, the impact that, th that your constituents will be exposed to information you don't like? Hate to tell you this, it's not your democracy, it's your Democratic Party you're worried about. It's interesting that, that and again, he, they go on to say, uh, we are also troubled to learn that X recently disabled a feature that allows users to report political posts they consider misleading. Well, why only political posts you consider misleading? But what's interesting is, you know what they're basing this on? News reports. Yeah, the first one was NBC News, the second one was Reuters. Oh, we, we saw news reports that you're doing this, therefore we're concerned. You know what, Mr. Schiff, I don't care. To, fair, to paraphrase a famous line from a movie, frankly, Mr. Schiff, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn what you think. You're a public servant, not a public master. Now, I don't own, I'm don't. i not Mr. Musk. I don't own X. I have absolutely no skin in this game. But I'd love to see him say, uh, excuse me, Mr. Schiff, uh, all you congressmen, shut up. 
you're actually now interfering with my business illegally. You're attempting to deprive me of control of my company without due process of law. This is intimidation. This is criminal behavior. If you continue, if you persist, my lawyers will, con my lawyers will be in contact. I would hope you would do that. I don't know. I don't know because I don't know everything that's going on. But these policies, imagine what would happen if Mr. Musk were to stand up and say, uh, no, none of your darn business. Leave me alone. Well, of course, he's going to be attacked by the press. And goes, what would happen if uh, hundreds or thousands or even tens of thousands of Americans stood up and said, no, members of these members of Congress are violating the rights of, of a, a naturalized citizen of the United States, Mr. Musk. They're trying to intimidate and manipulate the election by determining what is and is not election misinformation. This is election interference under the guise of protecting us from election interference. The question is, will the policy work? Only if the American people abandon anybody who stands up to, to fight for the right to share information. And again, X is a private platform. They get to determine what goes on their platform or not. Unless what they're doing is found to be actually illegal, meaning X itself is, is slandering somebody or defrauding somebody, then it's none of Congress's business. Congress passes laws. If those laws are legitimate and X has violated them, fine. This is not about uh, violating the law. This is about political interference in a private company for the purpose of manipulating an election. And if we, the people, sit by and let this happen, you know, like uh, a variation of Martin Niemöller's poem. See, Niemöller wrote this at first, I came for the socialist and I did nothing to speak. I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, first they came out for the the uh, uh, the, the religious uh, people, and I said nothing because I did not speak out because I was not religious. Then they came for the the uh, the the patriotic and and uh, Make America Great group, and I I did not speak out because well I was not a member of Make America Great. Then they came out for X. They came for X, and I did not speak out because well I didn't own X. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to protect me. That's what we're dealing with here. See, these policies continue because they've been allowed to work. I'd love to see people start standing up and pushing back. And again, it's not just Congress. See, ever since Elon Musk bought Twitter, he has been investigated. He has had a, a, an investigation into every aspect, again, without any probable cause. See, this is a this is a classic intimidation technique. So the the uh, SEC opens an investigation to see if Musk broke uh, federal security laws when he purchased uh, with his purchase of stock in Twitter, something he's before he renamed it X. Now, what's interesting is um, the SEC subpoenaed Mr. Musk back in May. Now, I have this thing about subpoenas. See, a subpoena, they like to say. Uh, requires you to attend. I remember when I received a federal subpoena, it commanded my attendance. Um, excuse me, that's not legal. 
Some bureaucrat, some lawyer doesn't have the authority to demand my attendance. He's not my boss. He's not my God. Now, in the case, my case, I looked at it and said, well, there's a, a um, the government has legitimate cause in having me testify. I would comply. But here you go, Mr. Mutt saying oh, he, he got this subpoena uh, and he agreed to appear. But then a couple of days beforehand, you know what? He raised some objections, what they refer to as spurious objections. Told the SEC he would not appear. Guess what? Mr. Musk has a right protected by the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution to not be a witness against himself. He, has, he cannot be forced to testify. He's also refused other SEC proposals uh, to conduct the disposition, the, the deposition. And he said, no. See, and I can I don't know the details. Um, according to uh, a statement by his attorney, uh, Mr. Musk's attorney said the SEC has already taken Mr. Musk's testimony multiple times in this misguided investigation. Enough is enough. I love it. You've had your shot. You've had multiple attempts. We're not complying anymore. You cannot force me to be a witness against myself. How can you force me to testify? And when it, again, when it comes to a subpoena, excuse me, um, that is, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to take me. You're going to take me into custody. Where's your probable cause I've committed a crime? Constitution doesn't say the federal government gets to subpoena you to attend. It says there must be a warrant. The warrant must be specific. There must be some exigent circumstance. This this abuse of of subpoenas. Again, it's one thing to subpoena somebody when you've got a legal justification for. It. Like I said, um, I was called as I was going to be called as a witness in a federal criminal trial. Okay, you need to be here to be for the trial because if the if the defense has a right to uh, compel witnesses, then I suppose it's logical that the prosecution should as well. This is not a criminal trial. This is a again a deposition, and this is a deposition that has been done over and over and over again. Now again, Mr. Trump, Mr. Musk is doing this. Is he doing this alone? Are there people? That will stand with him. See, that's that's a critical position. It's a critical point, and it's a point too often we miss. Yeah, you know, I've been working hard on the Patriots program, and and this is um, this is part of the reason. Something like this. See, all too often we are divided. We don't groups don't talk to each other. They don't support each other. Um, Here's a situation I would love to to um, explain what I'm talking about. See, part of the the, the 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 Patriots program is to provide people with resources that can help. Now, Mr. Musk has, I mean, he's a smart man. He's got experienced lawyers. Uh, I wonder how many of them actually studied the Constitution of the United States. But not everybody's a Musk. Not everybody has got the financial backing to have the lawyers to stand up to the federal government. What about you and me? What if we had a, a, an organization, a group of people that uh, studied the Constitution, educated themselves and others about their rights and how to defend and assert them? You know, kind of like John Jay told us to. What if we had a network of communications where we could share information and find out about these infringing on people's rights? 
See, we know about Elon Musk because, well, he's a famous person. It gets reported in the news. The vast majority of these go unknown. They're not in the news. Even if they make the local newspaper, that's, that's, that's iffy. What if we had a way to find out about those things, to share that information? And what if we had a group of people prepared at a moment's notice to come and help rise to the defense of those who are being intimidated by government? Those are patriots, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I want. That's the purpose of the Constitution Study Patriots, to have men and women that are educated, able to communicate without censorship, and willing to stand and come to the defense of others, to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to the, 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 the protection of rights and liberty, to protection of the Constitution and the republic that it created. So when government actors at all levels try to implement these illegal unconstitutional policies, when they, they take failure and continue to shove it down our throats, when they act as if they are our lords and masters and simply command and we must obey, we need people to stand. Stop looking for a Superman that's going to come to your defense. Stop looking for the Constitution, Constitution man, who's going to suddenly, you know, the ink and, and parchment is going to stand up and start defending your rights. It's a tool for us to use. That's what the Constitution study is all about, and it's what the Patriot Program is designed to do. To educate, communicate, and activate in the defense of our rights. To turn American people from summer soldiers and sunshine patriots into men and women willing to stand and defend their rights, and the rights of their family, and the rights of their neighbor. That's what this is all about. You can find out more if you go to the website, constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. But as we look at, the, at what we've talked about today, whether it's the, the failures at the border, or with our energy policy, whether it's the, the abusive FBI, or uh, lawmakers, or just uh, different bureaucracies that come after individuals, in many cases, simply for their political differences. We need to stand. We need, we can't always, we can't do it alone. Alone, you're a target. Together, we can make a difference. When the, the British marched on Lexington Green, they didn't meet one man with, a, with a, 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 a musket there to defend the rights. They met a hundred. They met a, a hundred men that were prepared to stand before the British army and say, no, you cannot take our rights. You cannot take our gunpowder. You cannot deprive us of the rights we have from God. That's what we need. And we're willing to help train you. We're willing to help, uh, help you get resources, whether, you know, access to resources you may not otherwise have. And we're willing to be there and help you as you stand. But you have to join us first. We don't know about you unless you come and join us first, unless you get that education so that you're prepared to stand, so that you're prepared to pledge your life, your fortune, and your sacred honor, so that your children and your children's children can live free. And if those words ring in your ears, then please head to constitutionstudy.com patriots to find out more. I also hope you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio Network. 
If you can't listen then, that's okay. All the episodes go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio, and you can listen in your favorite podcast app, but please, subscribe to the show. Uh, Leave us ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution study. It helps other people find this news and information that is so important to living free. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But if all you do is leave them there, you know, they say knowledge is power, but knowledge is not power until it's put into action. Knowing that those links are out there, knowing that this information is out there, knowing that it's there isn't enough. We have to put it into action. And the first action you can take is to share that information. See, it's by sharing the news and sharing the truth and sharing the opportunities that you share the blessings of liberty. Liberty.